my first pet chat, your first pet chat, Cheryl Shaw. Welcome back. Thank you, Sarah. It's great to be here. And David Tabret, you know, it's your second, so I'm, you're like, what's the big deal? I've been at this for seven days. <laughs> <laughs> it's many, a long year. How many years have you been with the station now? Uh, it's about 12, 14, Jeez, something like that. Oh, it's lost. It's lost. A lot lost. of knowledge, though. Absolutely. I think, yeah. I, I think I've been here as long as Todd Sargent. Really? Something like that. Oh, don't oh. let him hear you say that. I you know. know he likes to just <laughs> be in front of everyone on everything. He is the king of the microphone. Oh, well, yeah. yeah and you're the right. queen, Sarah. Well, you know. The king might be overthrown. Why not? <laughs> now, listen, we're here to talk about pets. 49216216. You've seen a lot of uh, different things come through the surgery of late, David. Yeah, yeah. Look, look, lots. We're still seeing ticks, snakes, and different types of poisonings. But today, if we do get a chance, we're going to talk about cats lying on your kitchen bench top. They love that. Yes, I don't see much of that. At work. But we'll, <laughs> okay. it, it's still a problem for people, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And Cheryl, it's been warm outside. It's only going to get warmer. So we're looking at bedding or options for our animals outside. Oh, we're just going to be talking about generally looking after your pets when they are living outside. And you've got a beautiful brooch of a kennel today to match. Fantastic. Thank you. Leslie Salamander Bay, welcome to the show. What can you tell us about your 14 year old Maltese? I think she's having a mental breakdown is what's wrong with her. Oh, um, David, I'm I'm so concerned. I don't know what to do with her. She's she's intensely and viciously trying to rip out um her nail, the mm. one that's sort of the furthest one away like our thumb perhaps oh, would yes. be. Yep. And she's so intense with it. Um and it it, it bleeds. And yes. then she can't walk. Right, I just, okay. I don't I don't know what to help. Oh, it's upsetting. Have, yeah, yeah, we do see lots of problems with nails and they can often be a little bit like an iceberg. It's what's underneath that's the problem. So have you been to the vet about this problem, Les- Leslie? Yes, David. I had her there um, not that long ago. She had nine teeth out, believe it or not. Yeah. So I, I don't know what she's chewing with. She's got five left, but... Um, I did mention it, and um, look, I don't mean to ramble, but unfortunately, we're not allowed in ourselves yeah, into okay. the surgery At the moment, yep. because of the COVID thing. Um, but the young lady that looked after her virtually showed me her nail, and, and she said the actual breed that it is, they have cut her, her actual nail. Yes. They can't cut anymore because that's not the nail. Do you, I hope you're understanding what yep. I'm trying to say. Yep, yep. Do you? Yeah? Yeah. Um, well, that brown um, thing that looks like a fingernail to me anyway. Yeah, the claw. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. That's all right. Made. So one of the, um, I mean, one of the things that we see, first of all, with these guys, Maltese Terriers, and probably why we see most of them chew on their feet, um, although this is a bit more targeted, as you said, but the most common reason we see is that they do get allergic skin disease called atopy, um, and that usually comes on at a much younger age, uh, but it oh. can then persist for life. So dogs that have allergies will show up often with their feet are intensely itchy um, to the extent where they will chew and make themselves bleed. So that's the first thing, and it's certainly the most common problem that we would see causing those sort of symptoms there are a few other things though following 
this some dogs can actually if they're constantly licking they create a moist environment on the claw and around the nail bed and then they yeah. can get just like us they can get fungal infections in there okay. um, so that's another another thing that can occur the other thing i have seen dogs that have had uh, particularly if they've got some sort of nerve pain in that area um, that can actually trigger self-mutilation to the extent where they'll make themselves bleed. So if there's some problem with the nerves, now that could be any number of things. Um, so it's a little bit hard to be more specific about that, but um, mm -hmm. a nerve pain can cause it. And the final thing I'd kind of be thinking of straight off is, um, well, I should have mentioned, sorry, following the ATP, they get an infection. So bacterial infection. I mentioned fungal, but they can get bacterial. But the final thing would be sometimes we'll see a tumour in the nail and in the nail bed and that can cause pain as well so there's okay. a little bit of a range now there's a couple of options for you so one of the things is that if you have a, a dog that does have a history of skin disease then this could certainly be related to that but perhaps we're getting a bacterial or a fungal infection uh, just in that one area and that's causing a lot of that discomfort um, so that would require the treatment for the infection, but also treatment for the allergy. And then the other thing would be the other problems we see is um, the tumours or a nerve pain. So that's oftentimes where we have to think about doing a biopsy. Um, and ultimately, in some circumstances, we can remove that claw surgically. But obviously, that's something that's a pretty big procedure for an older dog, particularly having yeah. had a recent surgery. Um, with the teeth so I do think it's probably worth a, a specific visit to try and um, get this problem sorted and there are the the other option is a referral to a dermatologist a veterinary dermatologist because okay. they deal with nail bed problems and nail problems as well the good news is it sounds like there there is a reason and, and that it can be treated yeah unfortunately yeah. there's also there's like five different possibilities mm. so well, leslie we yeah. wish you the best of luck and can you keep us updated we'll love to hear how you get on as well yeah i'm sitting here watching you doing it now uh, i just she stresses me out um yeah it's pretty distressing okay. when they're behaving like that and it's partly i mean we know that they're going through something as well so you're watching them thinking oh that's gotta hurt their and, pain is our pain when yeah. you love your fur baby mm. yeah know. oh leslie so. look we are thinking of you <clears> both um yeah Please let us know how you get along. Some at least some avenues to explore there, which yeah, is a, which is a good thing. Let's go to David in Maitland. David, you've got an issue with your border collie and loose stools. That's correct. Yes, um, we've um, he's three and a half, and we've always fed him the same food—a mix of dry and canned, or um, the same brand, basically. Yeah. But uh, periodically and uh, recently. Often, um, he uh, has more than just loose stools, diarrhoea. Right. And so uh, we, I put him back onto dry food only at the moment and uh, just wondering what sort of possibilities might we might look at as a um, source of that problem. So when you put him back on the dry... Well, first of all, how long has this been going for? On and off for most of his life, actually. Oh, but, okay. Um, so certainly for a couple of years. Yeah. Quite a lot. Yeah, okay. And um, 
was there any blood that you noticed in it or anything? No. No, okay, good. No, not at all. Um, and so when you put him on to dry food only, what did you notice? Any change? Um, when I did that the last time, uh, yes, he, his stools were much uh, firmer, and uh, but I, I haven't checked since yesterday uh, when he was back to diarrhoea. Okay. So basically one of, the, one of the principles here is that diarrhea of itself um, is really related to the amount of water that's in the, in the stool. And, yep. um, but we also then subclassify based on frequency and color and consistency and things like that. And obviously I mentioned about blood um, because that's more indicative of things like an invasive disease. Um, so we certainly will see a change with various diets and dogs that actually have, um, you know, food allergies and so on. They're pretty rare, but obviously if you're changing the food, you might see a response. But if you're just reducing the amount of water that's in the food by taking out the canned food, that's also going to come through and have an effect. So it doesn't, doesn't tell us that he's got any kind of allergic um, disease with this. But sometimes we will see dogs with allergic gut, gut disease, uh, obviously developing diarrhea. Right. Okay. So that's. So we, that's... we've just always assumed he must have a rather sensitive digestive tract. Yeah, that, um, that's that's a pretty common kind of, um, I guess, uh, consensus people get to. However, there are certainly some various diseases that we see that could persist for that duration of time. Um, and some of those, like if we think of infections, and first of all, if you're worming, so we make sure that parasites aren't present. Um, yep. And then there are some uh, smaller protozoal, single cell organisms that can cause uh, chronic diarrhea. So um, we need to get that tested. So this is often the best thing is like repeated stool samples tested by the vet they're going to be able to see if there's something there. But those tests are pretty insensitive, so they don't always pick things up. And so oftentimes we'll trial with a bit of a food, um, sorry, a medication trial. And if that doesn't work and you've done the other thing, the worming and so on, then off you might do a food trial and then we might think about biopsies. Because if we're thinking the other causes are things like inflammatory disease in the gut, we're really going to need a biopsy to tell that. And then, you know, you get down the track to medication after that so i get this stools tested first that's the absolute first thing okay and, and good luck with that david um we certainly hope that improves now we're going to go to george in barnsley now george you've got a kelpie that's just licking people all the time yeah constantly she's only 12 months old um, but every time she comes near, she just wants to lick your hands, lick your feet, lick anything. doesn't matter. Even if you're sitting on the lounge, she wants to lick the lounge, run along the tongue along the lounge or anything. It doesn't matter. It's just never-ending. The world's oh, one big okay. lollipop for her. <laughs> so, you know, she's a happy, very go-easy dog and very friendly, but, yeah, the licking is becoming a problem. Yeah. When we kind of tackle topics like this, the thing we always think about is can we um, find a medical cause of an actual pathological cause for a behaviour like this? So um, in there are some things I might think about in a 12-month-old that could cause that sort of um, behaviour. Sometimes we do see some dogs that actually have uh, probably cavaliers we see this in where they're actually licking 
and it's a form of epilepsy. Okay, so this I'm just kind of exploring the fact that sometimes it's behavioral and sometimes there's me medical problems. Um, yep. It probably it's going to be a behavioral thing. Uh, Kelpies are a very active breed. There is, um, some people say, a higher degree of um, stress and anxiety in some of these breeds that are, you know, the working dog breeds. Um, yep. They need a lot of stimulation. And so that could be what we call a displacement behavior. So the dog, dogs, and people do this, by the way, too, um, not necessarily go around licking things, but they will take on a behavior that keeps their brain active rather than sit and think about all their worries of the world. Um, so that that's the other thing with these dogs. They need lots of activity, lots of stimulation. And for a dog that's 12 months of age, I think I'd be heading down that path. Um, but certainly worth chatting with your vet about saying and, you know, looking for is the dog yeah. having sleep problems? Uh, as soon as you give problems. her a command or anything like that or sit, or what, it stops it straight away. Yeah, so it's... As soon it's... as you give her some exercise, it's, it's, she's forgotten about that. Okay. It's just the greeting, the normal first greeting. When she goes to somebody, the first thing to do is lick them. Yeah. So you know, it... at 100 mile an hour. Yeah. This is um, something I think would respond pretty well to training. And the best thing is that she's only young. And so I would be saying, speaking to a dog trainer, uh, dog behaviorist, and saying, we want to do some, just some basic obedience is probably going to uh, have a huge impact for you so with your little dog. You think it's probably behavior now with... with well, um, particularly so because George how George said, yeah. she stops yes. straight away. With a command. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Oh, good luck, George. We Yeah. Once again, we would love to hear how that goes. The best of luck. Uh, Rick is in Cessnock. Rick, we are so sorry to hear that your budgie passed away this morning. Tell us what happened. Um, he, the last four days, he's been very manic, um, turning himself upside down. And when I take him out, because he has breakfast with us every morning, he was running around the table, knocking things over. And it was just out of character. So we uh, Googled it and it said that it's hormonal and it would pass if he's age three and a half. This morning when I took his cover off, he was sitting at the bottom of the cage with his head down. Mm. And I've had other budgies that were very, very, very old before they died, so I knew he was dying. Aww. And at 9.30 this morning, he just I was holding him, Aww. and he just died. He stretched out and died. Oh, yeah. we're so sorry Very sad. That. Yeah, we're sad for you, Rick. Yeah, Rick. Mm. Thank you. We're very Thank sad. You. No. So I just wanted to know what you think. What would have, what would have been? I mean, being the manic for about four days before that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Rick. Man. So how old? How old was he now? He was only three and a half, and he gets the best food, yeah. top grade seed, vegetables, fruits that they can eat every day. Yep. He's very loved most of the day. You know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um couple of things that can cause i guess the timing of the behavior like for a couple of days is interesting the first my first thought when um i saw your call come up on the screen was that um he may have had an embolism so uh they can um birds they got such a small circulatory system there you know their blood volume is so small uh, if they get any a piece of fat or even an air bubble um which would would require trauma or um, airway disease but yeah. if that got into their system that could cause that but that would be pretty uh, short you know really acute 
um, yep. with an embolism. So I'm not sure about the hormonal thing. I don't know that that really fits. I mean, mm-hmm. it could be, but um, I can't think, you know, that that would be obviously go on and cause him to die. Um, the yeah. other concerns would be um, a type of brain injury. So, yeah. you know, I mentioned embolism, but the, the thing that happens with embolism is an air bubble gets into their blood system and then yeah. it actually lodges in the heart. And yeah. so it stops there. But if you had other, other injury that caused some sort of brain injury or, or disease, you know, it could be a tumour, yeah. Um, yeah. that sort of thing could cause alterations in his behaviour over that period of time. And, oh, yeah. That's why he was manic. Yeah. So yeah. I, that'd mm. be my... Probably my conclusion, just without looking at him. Yeah, um, yeah. So a tumor of some description. Yeah, well, that's probably one of the most likely things. There, are, obviously, there could be other possibilities. It sounds like he was getting the best of care, and it sounds like yeah. you know the diet and everything sounds pretty good. Um, and do you have other birds at the moment? No, okay. no other birds. It was just him. And, um, yeah, he was very attached to me. I was like his mate, you know? Oh, oh yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they need a partner. Yeah, they both. The, yeah. the budgies, for yeah. sure. So, well, yeah. Well, Rick, our condolences, and we're sending our love because we know what it's Thank like you. when you lose a, a family member, a fur baby yes. included. It's devastating. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, Rick. Yeah, thanks Thank for the call. And, and it sounds like Rick's got a lot of love to give and he loves budgies. So, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. maybe after the grieving process he might. Get another one and give it a lot of love and care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, Leanne, you're in Edgeworth and you have a 13-year-old dog that may have Cushing's disease. Oh, correct. Thank you for taking my call. No worries, Leanne. Oh, there sorry, I am. Sorry, David. No worries. <laughs> I had Cheryl in <laughs> my are. mic on, my mistress. <laughs> so <laughs> when you say may have, um, have we got a diagnosis from the vet or you're just looking at symptoms? Um, symptoms and the recent diagnosis came from an ultrasound, oh. which um, did show, obviously, um, I've been told the adrenal glands are yeah. enlarged yeah, yeah, and yeah. the liver, um, yes. the okay. tissues with the gallbladder and I uh, can't remember the other part, um, but yes, she has all the big bloated belly, yeah. uh, drinking a lot, yep. eating a lot, um, heightened anxiety. So yes, yes. Um, well, that that's so certainly what we see with um, Cushing's. A lot of those symptoms. Generally, uh, we need a blood test to say for sure. Um, so the blood tests are. It's interesting actually having an ultrasound that shows the um, adrenal glands are in uh, swollen. Because um, technically that does that does provide a diagnosis. I'm just trying to think whether you can call it that without the blood test. That's something I'll have to have a think about. Um, so any ideas at this stage? Is this something that um, a treatment has been proposed? Um, probably a second opinion would be good um, because basically there's testing for Cushing's yes. and then medication and then more testing and amounts to a fair large amount of money yep i would say if you've had the ultrasound my my thought is get the blood testing done um now the blood testing is there's two different tests that we can run one is called 
uh, dexamethasone suppression test and the other one's called uh, ACTH stimulation test. Um, and different laboratories would have a preference for one over the other. Um, so I'd leave that to um, the vet and the pathologist to decide. But right. yes, you do need to have that. And then the question is, if you're on medication, there is ongoing blood testing done later, which is looking at cortisol levels and sometimes um, electrolyte levels. Now, just very quickly, just to give everybody a background, Cushing's is the name given to a disease called hyperadrenocorticism. So the adrenal glands sit in front of the kidneys on both sides and they secrete a whole load of different things, including adrenaline, but also cortisol and what's called mineralocorticoids, which regulate electrolytes, so things like sodium and potassium through the kidneys. So for some reason, your dog, though, has got an increase in the output of cortisol out of the adrenal glands. Most likely this is due to uh, what's called a microadenoma or a um, microscopic tumour in the pituitary gland, which is in the brain. And normally there's a feedback loop. So if you secrete cortisol, that tells the adrenal glands to stop secreting more. But dogs with um, Cushing's, the feedback loop is switched off. And so they just keep pumping out cortisol and that's what produces the symptoms that you've talked about. The thirst, the eating, the weight gain, the pot belly, all of those things. So it does, it does certainly, Cushing's untreated does have an effect on length of life and on quality of life. And so treatment is recommended because it does make their life more comfortable over time. Um, Being 13 year old, obviously it's about making quality of life. Okay, right. so, so yes, there is a bit involved up front, but it will actually improve quality of life. One of the other things we do see is some dogs actually can get a risk, increased risk of blood clots associated with this disease, and that's pretty dangerous. I have seen dogs die from that. So um, I think it's probably best to head back to the vet, get the blood test. That's really going to nail it for you. Everywhere else that you go, you're going to have to get the blood test done anyway. So... Okay. Oh, thank you, Leanne. Thank you very much for the call. I think that's all we've got time for today. <laughs> David, you need a little drink of water, I think, after oh. that. You've been busy. Oh, it's two weeks in. Oh. I, ne- I need a break. You need a I'm break. Not coming, I'm not coming back next week. Dr. Kimberly's going to come in. Oh, well, that'll be lovely to see Kimberly. Cheryl, you and I will be here, though. We won't will. We, yeah, we of will. Of course. Look, thank you so much for all of your calls. If you didn't get your question in today, uh, we would be more than happy to give you a call back next week if you do leave your number at reception and answer your questions then or head to 2nurfm.com.au. Click on the Pet Chat page and there's a space there where you can ask your question and it sends us an email. So there you go. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.